And so Romans chapter 8, I want to read with you these first 17 verses, and then we're going to get into this message this morning. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are where? In Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Is death. Now, listen, Paul wrote in Second Corinthians or in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin. And what I said a moment ago is that when we do life without the Holy Spirit, it ends in failure. It ends in failure in the essence that, that outside of God, everything is dead. It doesn't have life. The Holy Spirit is our life. Life without life is not life. And life is in the spirit. How many understand that? Praise the Lord. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me say this to you on this standpoint. How come we spend so much time, so much money, and so much effort preserving what Paul just said is dead? And if we give that much time, that much effort, that much thought, we work so hard to preserve this outer shell of our life, but our real life is on the inside of it. So what would happen if we lived to preserve more of our spiritual man and our spiritual life and to make him strong and to exercise him? How many know what I'm saying? And then let our natural body, because Paul gives us an answer what happens when we do that because of the life of the Spirit as we go on here. Now look at so the natural man is, uh, I lost my place. Amen. What verse was I in? Okay, verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the there it is, the body is dead, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, look at this, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I mean, no, that's not good. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So it is imperative for us to be people of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and live by the Spirit. Look at verse 15. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Praise the Lord. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. Lord, you will stir us, enlighten us, and empower us by your Holy Spirit to live and to walk with you in the Spirit. Father, it is our heart and our desire to put to death those things that restrict us and restrain us and separate us from you. So we need the power of your Holy Spirit energized and alive and working in us. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. We recognize you today. You are the one sent here to be with us. You are the promise of the Father in us and upon our life. So we yield to your leading, your guiding, and your teaching in Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. Look at the cover of your outline, if you would. As we continue our series on the gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit, our goal is learning to live by His truth, being strengthened and equipped by His power, and being enabled through His gifts to minister the word of life to those we meet. We are living in the day of, titanic, of a titanic contest between good and evil. How many know we've seen that in this election cycle? Amen. And, and it's going to be, you, you know, uh, some things are serious things are going to be decided in just 48 hours. For us to be the kind of people God wants us to be in these trying times, we must have the gifts of the Spirit. We will never win a spiritual battle through natural gifting, strength, and ability. You're not going to win the battle warring in the flesh. You're not going to have an argument. If you watch Jesus as he went about, Jesus never debated with people. He only demonstrated the power of God. Amen? He, he didn't try to win debate. He didn't try to change people's mind. He just declared truth and then revealed the truth and demonstrated the truth and just went on about his business. It's so important if we just declare the truth and then walk in the demonstration of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and then leave people to make their decision. Are you with me? But we have to be willing to declare it and then to walk in it and, and to allow God's Spirit to move and be manifest through our life. So let me ask you this question this morning. How do we know how to vote? In this time, in this area, as, as the church, as Christians, how do we know how to vote? Uh, yesterday, I, I received an invitation from Pastor Jim Garlow of Skyline Church in, uh, in San Diego. Great man of God, him and Rosemary Schindler and uh, good friends of ours in that. But, but just a very courageous and bold man of God, but he did a conference call for pastors yesterday morning, and it was him and David Barton of, of the Wall Builders, and just a, a great historian, a great man of God, and then they had on Phil Robinson from Duck Dynasty. Phil Robinson is awesome, and uh, so they said, Phil, just tell us what you think about this uh, election cycle and everything that's going on, and Phil just got on there and just began to preach, and he went through Proverbs chapter 6, and he went through these six things God hates. 
And, and when you go through Proverbs 6, beginning verse 16, you go to how God breaks down and delineates those things. And you see there's a whole lot that's happening that describes where we are as a nation in our society today. And, and then he started talking about that, that in that in the election that we have to have courage enough to stand up and to vote. And then he shared that he actually got to meet with Donald Trump. And he says, I, I personally pressed him on his relationship with the Lord. And I shared my faith. And then, and then I got to pray with him. Amen. And he said he's open and, and, and he's listening. He's drawn to things. And so he's receiving counsel and doing that. But then they were just talking about different issues. And then David Barton shared some things after, after Phil just really tore it up for about 20 minutes. It was awesome just listening to him go on. And a powerful uh, declaration and a stand for truth. And so the question again, how do we vote? And, and you can write this down. You want, I had it and I didn't get time. You watched me during worship. I was trying to put it back together. But I did another one of those things where I tried to paste it on the back of your outline. And, and I lost it all that I'd typed up. And so I was trying to remember it and put it back together this morning. But there's two key uh, areas, that, that factors when it comes to choosing how to vote. Number one is principles. And number two is policies. There, there are principles that as believers we cannot violate. There, there are principles and those principles are found in the word of God. God's given us his word. See, he called Israel out to be his people. And then in Exodus, God gave them 613 laws to live by that would govern their life and their affairs. Giving them distinction from the nations and the people around them. He gave them a God-centered culture. A God-centered culture. Can I just tell you today, we live in a, in a society that is not God-centered. Amen. I, I started going through my ballot. I, I've been doing some study and stuff. And, and so we, we, we vote by, this is my ballot. And uh, we, we vote by mail. And usually the way I vote by mail is I wait and then I fill it out and then I go drop it off. <laughs> I don't mail it in. I take it in. But I was amazed. I hadn't read all the propositions yet. I, I've, I've been studying a few of them. But I hadn't read them all yet. But I turned to the back of my ballot and I got on the back and there's a proposition back here. State Proposition 60, Adult Films, Condoms, and Health Requirements Initiative Statute. So we now have a legislator that is concerned about whether or not those producing pornographic materials are using condoms during intercourse. That's literally what it says on your ballot. So I'm just telling you, we are not a God-centered society. It requires adult film performers to use condoms during filming of sexual intercourse. I just want to know who's going to enforce this. All right, some of you will get that later. Amen. What? That's the best. We're paying these legislators and this is the best they can come up with for, to put on our ballot for us to vote for. My goodness. So God gave his people and we reason he gave them laws and, and he gave them a, a standard to govern themselves by so they would not become like the nation and the world around them. How many know we're supposed to be a separate people? And so in standing that out. So out of those 613 laws, he declared that he had a top 10. We call them the Ten Commandments. Even Jesus declared to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 18, that living our lives by the Ten Commandments was essential to eternal life. Listen to this, Mark chapter 10. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do? 
that I may inherit eternal life. Now, I want you to listen. Jesus did not tell him, believe on me. I'm the son of God, and in me you have salvation. That isn't what Jesus told him. Listen to what he said. He said, and don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that I'm not contradicting what we believe about salvation in Christ. But I want you to hear what Jesus said about how important it is for us to live by the standard of God's word. Are you listening to me? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. This man runs out. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandment. Or in other words, once we get saved, we still have to live saved. And we have to live right before God. And the standard has never changed. It's the Ten Commandments. It's the moral standard that we are called to live by in God as his people. So in this election, four of those ten commandments will be voted upon. Number one is freedom of religion, which is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Amen. And we're seeing the freedom of religion redefined. Number two is murder. It's the sixth commandment. The first commandment, you shall know over God. The sixth commandment is thou shall not murder. And yet we have, we, we have abortion taking place and we are murdering babies in wounds before they ever take their turth first breath. The third is adultery. They shall not commit adultery. And the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman is spiritual and physical adultery. In that standpoint, divergent from what God ordained marriage to be. And number four is covetousness, which is the 10th commandment, which declared, is declared by socialism, which is the desire to have what others have. We have a nation that wants to have. It's not fair for somebody to be rich, for somebody to have more. Everybody has to be equal. I covet what other people have, and that's on the ballot through socialistic program. So four of the Ten Commandments are being voted on on your ballot in this election by our nation. There's only one candidate that has declared policies. Excuse me. And so the second key to making a decision in voting is policy. Whose policies adhere the most to the principles of God's word? We cannot afford to vote by emotion only by truth are you with me and there's only one candidate that has declared policies that support the principles of God's word and it's not the woman running for president she has declared religion must change its views. Children have no right to life in the womb. The sanctity of marriage is no longer defined as one man and one woman. And that socialism, not hard work, is the answer to getting what others have. That's her policy. When we allow principles to define policy, we can find the right person to cast our vote for. We may have to humble ourselves and be able to be able to choose the truth over personal preference, but this election will determine the future for our children, our grandchildren, and our nation. Amen. Now, starting today, I'm joining with Jensen Franklin, and I posted before and that, but I'm taking these next three days to fast and pray for our nation. I would encourage you, set some time out to fast and to pray, not just for your, but for our nation and for this election. It is imperative uh, that, that we engage and that we vote. Amen.
So in doing that, being led by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, He is the Spirit of wisdom and He is the Spirit of truth. And what you have to understand in that, when it comes to election, when it comes to people running from, you need discernment to see behind what's being told to you and to see what's really going to take place. I mean, we have important things about whether or not we should have plastic bags at the grocery store, whether or not the stores that charge you for paper bags and plastic. Good grief! Amen. We are a nation where ignorance has gone to seed. Amen. So it is imperative that we become qualified spiritually. We know about spiritual gifts, to know about them, to understand them, to be able to use them wisely as the Lord wills, walking in the Spirit and with the Holy Spirit. Look inside your outline. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit has shown up throughout history to prove that God does not have holy places. God does not have holy places. He has holy people. We are called to be a holy people. The Bible said that follow after holiness and pursue peace with all men without which no one will see God. We're called to be holy. We're called to be separate. We're called to be pure. Amen. And sometimes that means you have to take a stand for purity. You have to take a stand for right. Sometimes it means you have to be persecuted for righteousness. So we need a spiritual backbone again and the Holy Spirit gives us that courage to stand for true. But God ha only has holy people, meaning that God has chosen to make you his dwelling place. Hear me this morning. He will show up in the streets, in the factories, in the store, in high society, in no society. He cannot be restrained by money, and he cannot be bought by money. Religion cannot explain him away or contain him forever through unbelief. The Holy Spirit refuses to be confined to the limitations of our doubt. He always breaks free and releases faith in our hearts towards God. The greatest minds cannot explain him, but the simplest faith can receive him. Amen. See, he's willing and able to do anything today that he has ever done before. We are not eating the mere leftovers of days gone by. We are taking in the whole of all that God has prepared for those who love him. Come on, we're getting in on the biggest and the best the world has ever known. We have the opportunity to be in this last day's revival and move of the Holy Spirit. I believe God's doing something dynamic in the earth today. And there's a great move of the Holy Spirit coming and we have the privilege of being a part of it. Hear me this morning. He's given, he is given to be given away. And I shared this Tuesday night and everybody needed to hear it this morning. 1 Peter 10, 4 verses 10 and 11 says this. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same to one another. So in Christ, we come to Christ, we receive his life. And then with it comes his gifting, his enablement, and his divine abilities that he places inside. But he asks us to minister that, to serve that to one another to give that away. We don't get to keep it. We don't get to hold on to it. We don't get to treasure. We can't be stingy. We have to be liberal in all areas and generous and allow this flow to co go through our life. See, I believe that anything that has been given to us was given to us from God to share. Amen. Everything. The Bible says freely you have received, freely 
give. And it doesn't define that. It just says whatever you've received from God, then freely give it and freely share it with others. As Sean was saying during the announcement of the offering, hey, we have this great truth that Jesus Christ is our life. He saved us. He redeemed us. And if you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the opportunity. The most powerful thing you have to share is your testimony anointed by the Holy Spirit. Many times when you just share your testimony, God will turn it. He'll put you in contact to where your testimony becomes a prophetic word to their life. And you find you're witness to somebody and they're going, my, I can identify with what God delivered you from and God uses your life. He anoints it and he uses to bring hope and to bring life to those who do not know him. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So important for us to understand that. So everything that has been given to us, has been given to give away and to share. God does not dig holes and bury things. God does not put himself in us. He doesn't put his power, he doesn't put his gifts just to bury them on the inside of us. God is the revealer. The great message of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is something that should be shared. So I encourage you, each and every one of you, to become a sharer and to share everything you receive. Amen. Everything. Hear me this morning. Every increase from God in our lives is forgiving. Every increase is forgiving. For sharing. To flow in the fullness of what God has for our lives. We must become great givers. Giving it away. Giving some of your time. Giving of your resources. Giving of your ability. Just living by giving is such a powerful way to live. If we ever get it. See, when I live by give, I open the flow. And God pours in where there's a flow. God doesn't pour his life into the Dead Sea. He, he pours it into a place where it flows out of him. And, and that's why many times, and Sean will encourage you on, on, on the name your seed. When I name my seed in my offering, this is what I put down. The continual flow of kingdom increase through my life. I want to live my life seeing a continual, going through my life, a continual increase in the flow of God's kingdom. When I give my finances, I want it to bring an increase that souls are being saved, that lives are being touched, that somehow there's a flow coming through my life that's bringing an increase to his kingdom. Are you with me? So everything God has given us causes that to happen. See, the Holy Spirit is cut off by consumers. Amen. And you and I live in a consumer society. That's what we are. We're, we're called consumers. We, in fact, we, we, we judge our financial status of our nation by, by the consumer index. We judge whether our economy is doing well by how well we're consuming. Not by how well we're giving, but how well people are consuming upon themselves. And we're coming into the season of the great consumers. Christmas is about to be upon you. And it's not the memory of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time when people go into greatest debt for the dumbest things on the face of the earth. Because we, anyway... If you, everybody just look up here real quick and let me make you real happy this morning. If you charge anything for Christmas, you're stupid. You're just stupid. Jesus did not come so you could go in debt. Jesus came for you to be free. And the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. 
Are you with me? And so I have to live by truth. Love people enough to say, hey, this is all I can afford. I, I have this much money. Pastor Sue and I, we save for everything we do. And, and, and then it goes into a budget account. And when we do Christmas, this is how much money we have in the Christmas fund. And we divide that up above everybody. And if all they get is Cracker Jacks, bless God, they got some Cracker Jacks. I'm not obligated to fulfill your dreams. Amen. Amen. I have four children, and I am their El Shaddad. <laughs> and that ends at the end of my budget. Amen. My all-sufficiency has a limit. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? But in that, we have to see, consume, but, but see, in that, in consuming, if we get caught into that, then we come into church, and we just want to be consumer. God wants to break you out. The Holy Spirit breaks you out of being a consumer, and he makes you a giver. He makes you a giver to where you think about, wait a minute, I have all this. I, I need to share. I need to find somebody to share this with. He is released by givers. Hear me this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Are you doing all right? Yes. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2. Amen. I believe we're going to see a mighty breakthrough in our church and God's church as well. Amen. Not just here, but I believe that God is stirring us the same way he's stirring churches and congregations all around the world. And God is doing something amazing in this day. And I believe it's people... And, and there are people who are hungry for the truth. They're not hungry for religion. They're hungry for truth and for life and relationship with God. See, what began in Acts chapter 2, and we can read in the first four, four verses. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. And there suddenly came the sound from heaven as a righty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Or in other words, on the day of Pentecost, God fulfilled his promise and poured out his Spirit upon all. Flesh. And as we read through the rest of Acts chapter 2, we find Peter standing up and declaring, this is that. This is the promise being fulfilled. God has done what he literally said he would do. He's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And Peter is declaring how that walks him back through the, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, his burial, his, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection, and then brings them to the point where they are today. And then they cry out in verse 37, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly and I put it in your outline that God has made this Jesus whom you crucify both Lord and Christ now when they heard this they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then Peter said to them what Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to our, all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. So what God began in Acts 2 has never seen. There's a continual outpouring from heaven of the promise of the Father to every generation, to whosoever will, to receive it and to walk in it. What God began to do that day, he will never cease to do until the end of the age. And I shared it Tuesday night. We are living in the age of the grace of the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday I illustrated it with the Father and the 
Son and Jesus being seated by the right hand of the Father and the Father sending the Holy Spirit. You are living in the age and the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And we are called to walk with Him and do life with Him and allow His life to flow through us. Could you say amen? amen. So look at what Peter declared. Peter gives us three key instructions for everyone to follow and it and it never has and it never will change it is this number one repent or declare repentance comes by witness of the blood that we shared in communion this morning that through the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we have remission of sin and so repentance means I need to turn around Jesus died for my sin so I need to turn from my sin amen and so we witness of the blood. And then to be baptized. Water baptism as a sign of cleansing from, from sin. In the same way, uh, the Bible says that we're washed by the water of the word. Jesus says to his disciples, you have no need that I wash you all over. The word that I have spoken to you has already cleansed you. But water baptism is significant of us being cleansed and made new and given new life in Christ and being raised up in that brand new life. Somebody ought to say amen. And then in new life, we don't, we're not left to go back and do life just as we did before. But now we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the promise. You will receive the Holy Spirit and the evidence of the Spirit. And what's so significant is that tradition has taken away the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of being filled with the Spirit. And people wonder around, well, I think I have. I know I have because I have the evidence. Amen. I was filled. And I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. There's confirming evidence that we are filled. God wants you to know that you have received. Somebody ought to say amen. So what is the fruit or the benefits of this mighty outpouring in the lives of those who receive it? So worship team comes back. Excuse me. Number one, it is to be able to live face to face with God. So that we can be healed renewed, restored, revived, and filled. What is the benefit of this outpouring? First of all, so to be able to live face to face with God. Come on, we're not supposed to be afraid of God or ashamed of God. Amen? And no longer for us to be in shame. We no longer have to cover ourselves. We no longer have to hide. We no longer have to feel a need of exposure before God. We sense the covering of the blood. Adam and Eve made a covering for themselves. And anytime I'm trying to cover myself and make excuses for myself and my sin, I'm not covering myself with the blood. Under the blood, I don't have to make an excuse. Amen. I just have that freedom and I can meet with God face to face. I can stand before him healed, renewed, restored, revived and filled. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comes to free us from the past. Come on, with its bondages and pain. And then to help us in the present with current life issues. And then to reveal the future, God's plan and purpose for our lives. So what happened? He leads us to true repentance. Hear me this morning. True repentance in turn leads us to true forgiveness. When I truly repent, I truly find forgiveness in Christ. And that forgiveness leads us to true healing. Come on, many times it's things that we carry. There's more sickness in us spiritually that affects us physically. Amen. 
And many times when we're cleansed, emotionally cleansed, and, and walking cleansing and healing and forgiveness, it turns into physical healing in our lives as well. So true repentance leads to true forgiveness. And true forgiveness leads to true healing. And true healing leads to deliverance. Amen. I found out over the years the one I need to be delivered from is not so much the devil, but from myself. And the Holy Spirit comes to do that. And then with deliverance comes that cleansing. Jesus cleanses us. He makes us pure. He makes us holy. And we become this dwelling place for God. It is awesome. And then out of that comes true freedom. Are you getting this this morning? True freedom comes from God. So bow your heads with me. See, He is here for you today. And I believe that He wants you free. So my question is this. Have you gone all the way with the Lord? Have you gone all the way with Him? Have you truly repented? Do, do you still find yourself trying to make excuses for old areas and, and, and old things in your life? Or have you just truly repented and allowed those to be brought under the blood? See, the Bible says and we just confess, He cleanses us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unright. I don't have to make an excuse for it. I have the blood that will cleanse it. True repentance brings us that cleansing. Are you there today? And with that, do you have His forgiveness? Do you sense you're free, you're forgiven, and you're restored this morning? Have you found that healing? Do you feel whole in Him today? Healed and whole. Not caring, not inflicted by the past. Amen. But healed and made whole. And then delivered. Come on, so many times things try to hold on. But Jesus wants us delivered, set free. Everything completely removed. And then cleansed. And completely walking in freedom with Him. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to open these altars up. And if you need to move towards God for any reason, on our life we, 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 we try to give people specific things to relate upon but maybe this morning somehow through this message in some area the Holy Spirit has spoken to you I want to invite you just to move to this altar God has done one thing He always meets with man at an altar He always talks with us out of place and maybe this morning there's something God pulling in your heart and you would just move to this altar and let God begin to speak to you and you would just do business with God this morning that we come together in this place just to do business with Him, to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in our life, in a safe place, in a comfortable place, gathered with other believers, those that are seeking Him, allowing God to move in our hearts and in our lives. So if God's moving upon you, I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. They're going to lead us in worship. And if you need prayer in any area or you need to come find a place to pray, maybe it just is that you begin right here and you begin your fast right here. Lord, I'm going to begin my fast today. I'm, I'm going to fast uh, uh, however God lays it upon your heart. But maybe you could have fasted at least one meal a day for the next three days and give that time to prayer for our nation and for this election. Maybe you would begin right now by just humbling yourself before God and falling on your knees because the Bible says if we humble ourselves, 
and seek his faith. If we repent and turn from our wicked way, then he will heal our land. As you read this ballot, you see things. In, in California, we're voting on legalizing marijuana. We're voting on all these crazy things that are on our ballot day. Our nation needs a healing, but God has to be able to flow through us. Come on. Abraham interceded for Sodom, and God said, hey, if I can find at least ten righteous people, I will not destroy the land. I believe God is looking for some righteous people, and the Holy Spirit is trying to stir us up to a place of righteousness, that God will hold His preserving hand upon our nation. Maybe that's all you need to do today is just move and begin to bow a knee and begin to pray right now for your nation. Maybe you say, Pastor, I know my life is right. I've repented. I have forgiveness. I, I have healing. I have deliverance. I have cleansing. I have freedom in Christ. But I need to pray for my nation. As they lead, maybe you would come and bow your knee before God and take a moment to intercede and pray for our nation.